0: Did y'all enjoy that as much as I did? I, <clears throat> I do not say this lightly. <clears throat> this is the third church I've been involved in, and we have the best music of anywhere I have been so far. I am so thankful. And the theme of the message this morning, we did not confer, I promise you, but you're going to be amazed at what God has put together today. Good morning. Welcome. If we haven't met, I'm Pastor Brian. I know we have guests here and I didn't get to see you this morning, but welcome to you. If you're joining us online, we're glad that you're with us this morning. We do ask if you would do one thing for us, and somebody can do one other thing and close that door over there if you don't mind. Thank you, Libby. <clears throat> if you would watch us for three weeks, we would appreciate that. Give us three weeks And uh, you'll get a taste of what things are like here at Trinity. But I promise you, there's nothing like being here, is there? There's a tremendous spirit here this morning, and I'm so excited to be able to share with you, and and, uh, I'm full this morning with something I want to share with you today. So thank you for coming. We're in a back-to-school series, obviously. Back-to-school lessons from Joseph. How many of you are going back to school this week or already in school? All right. I think everybody will be. Sorry, Dolores. i see that look. Hope the air conditioning works this week. But it's a beautiful morning, isn't it? Haven't it been a beautiful weekend? It's going to get warm, but uh, it's summertime, it's supposed to. But we're looking at a man named Joseph. You may be familiar with Joseph, you may have never heard of Joseph, I think most people have. About 14 chapters in the book of Genesis are dedicated to him, so he must be a special man, and he is. And God put him through some tremendous trials to make him the man that he wanted him to be. So as we're going through this series, we're looking at Joseph's trials and we're realizing that trials are normal in life. Now we think if we're walking with God and we're close to God, he ought to remove all the roadblocks, right? That's pretty much the way we look at life. We, we think it ought to be smooth sailing. We think everything should be good. And there are some groups who teach that. But it is false theology. As a matter of fact, it's exactly opposite of what God intends, because he tests us, he tries us, he humbles us, and we all need it. And so he, he puts us through the fire sometimes and through different trials for a purpose, and we're looking at this, this purpose. Now, how many of you love tests? Not a person, not one person in here... There's not a professor in here or a teacher that loves tests. Oh, you don't like them either? (laughs) Well, you say it depends on if the teacher covered all the material on the test. Don't you love it when you got 80% of it down and they throw in 20% that you've never heard of before? And then they stand in front of you and say, nobody makes an A in my class. Is that something to brag about really I spent 10 years in higher education and I've always been a student advocate so I know what it's like to be a student I know what it's like to be loaded down I know what it's like for five professors to think it's the only class you're taking so is that really a measure of what people have learned just to say nobody makes an A on my test. Well, let me tell you something. God never does that to us. The the theme of the music this morning was just just tremendous. God is good. He wants us to pass all the tests in life with an A+. He never throws in material that... You can't handle. He never throws in something that he hasn't prepared you for or doesn't give you a way to work through it. He wants you to succeed because he is a good God. And he's up to something in your life. And when you come out the other side, he wants you to be able to say it was good. Now, was it all fun? No. Life, life is not all fun. There are, ty- there are things that we've been through that we look back and we say, you know, I'm glad I got through that, but I don't want to go back there, right? But God got us through it. There are all kinds of... I see somebody nodding their head this morning. There are testimonies in this room that can testify to that. That's Joseph, and that's us. So, God says in His Word, He makes us a promise. We know... That all things work together for good, them who are the called according to his purpose. That's a promise from God. And Joseph, when he'd gone through all his trials, looked back and said, they intended it for evil, but God intended it for what? Good. Because he is a good God. That, my friends, is the God of the Bible. People have all kinds of ideas of God, and they're false. He's not some ogre in heaven just loving to punish people and just threatening people and, and setting a bar that nobody can keep, although he has set a bar that none of us can keep. It's called perfection. We can't keep it. But through Jesus, our Savior, he has allowed us to come into a relationship with him so that we can please him and we can walk with him and when we fail, we confess our sin and we get up and we go again. That's the God of the Bible. So he tests us. He wants us to pass. But there are times in life that we fail. Not of his doing, but of our own doing. Maybe we took our eyes off Him. Maybe we were drawn off into sin. Maybe uh, we didn't respond the right way, or maybe we didn't have the right perspective. But I want you to know from God's perspective, He's working in your life for a purpose, and if He's testing you right now, you look up. You keep looking up, and you look through. God will get you through it. And then you'll look back, and you'll understand. So I'm in the book of Genesis this morning. Would you like to join me there? If you will open your Bibles or however you read your Scripture this morning, I want to, I'm reading from the New King James Version. I'm in Genesis chapter 39, verse 20, and I'm going to read into chapter 40, the book of Genesis. You can just listen along if you'd like. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph, and he showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority, because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did... The Lord made it prosper. Now, if you weren't here for the first two messages, you know Joseph's on a roller coaster ride. Uh, His brothers mistreated him, sold him into slavery. They wanted to kill him. The older brother interceded, and they sold him into slavery. He goes down to Egypt. He's uh, brought out by a rich man named Potiphar. He exalts him in his home, puts him over everything, and then Mrs. Potiphar cancels him. And he's thrown into prison. What a, what a roller coaster li- ride Joseph is on. So now he's in prison and the, the guard, the, the, the head of the prison recognizes the leadership of Joseph and puts him in charge of all the prisoners. Amazing. Only God could write a story like this. And it's not just a story, it's a true thing that happened in a man's life. It's recorded for us. So here he is in prison, no doing of his own. Verse or chapter 40, verse 1. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Boy, he was easily offended, wasn't he? Some things don't change, by the way. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker, so he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them so they, so they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker, the king of Egypt, were, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, with each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came in to them in the morning and looked at them, and he saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? We're about to find out. They said to him, We've each had a dream. We don't know what it means. There's nobody to interpret our dreams. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God He's introducing his God into the conversation. You see how that simple that happens? He brought God into the conversation there. Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. And then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches, It was as though it budded and its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, Here's the interpretation of your dream. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. So that was good news, wasn't it? He's going to get his old job back. Verse 14, he says, But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this place. Get me out of this prison. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. Well, that was the good news. Now here's the bad news. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in a dream, and there were three white baskets on my head, and the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, here's your interpretation. This is the interpretation of it. The three baskets, again, are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from, from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast. For all his butlers lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the butler did not remember Joseph but forgot him. Now, Here's a man who's done the right thing and he's in prison. Doesn't seem fair, does it? People say, life's not fair. Don't forget, we live in a sinful world. And sinful people make decisions. You wonder about the fickleness of people and the fickleness of power. There's a sin nature. Don't say God told Pharaoh to do this. Pharaoh did this on his own, and he took this man's life. But this is a narrative, right? God is telling a story here. He's not necessarily assigning uh, right or wrong to what is being recorded, although we know from Scripture and we know from truth what is right and what is wrong. So things aren't going too great for Joseph. Now, you can all relate to Joseph, right? You have done the right thing And it was taken the wrong way if i asked for a show of hands i'm sure everybody in here could raise their hand and say this has happened to me before i took the right stand and i got canceled i stood up for what was truth and somebody misunderstood or somebody who was offended by it tried to take me out joseph's going through the same kind of things that we go through on a daily basis you're getting ready to go to school I'm trying to help you think through some things today, okay? I hope you get it. And I want you to write some things down in just a minute. But here we are in a culture that is not all that different than Joseph's. You're going to find yourself in some difficult places. But let me tell you something it is all right. It is always right to do right. It is always right to do right even though you might wind up in prison. Now, this is quite a eventful story, isn't it, these two interpretations. One man gets his job back. By the way, I don't know why people don't want a job, do you? I've worked since I was 12 years old and I love to work. And I like to be productive. And I like it when God gives me something to do that I'm good at and it's fulfilling that I can do it for His glory and I support myself and I support my family and I I just cannot relate to people who don't want to work and people who don't want a job. So I'm a little confused in this culture, okay? I don't fit in too well. Somebody else is too. Well, this guy was excited that he got his job back. He wanted to work. You know, what God calls you to do gives you a purpose in life. I can't imagine going through life with no purpose. Nothing to do. Nothing I enjoy. Nothing that I get fulfillment from because... And by the way, this, this is a Christian thing, you know. This is a Christian uh, uh, truth from the, from the New Testament in particular. This thing we call a work ethic. God puts that in us, and whatever we do, we're to do for His glory. Whatever God's called you to do, when you go in tomorrow morning, you pray before you go to work or to school and say, God, you put me here, I want to do this for your glory, and I want to be the best at it that I can be today, for your glory and for my testimony to other people. That's what God intends for our lives. Do we all love working every day? No, not necessarily, but it keeps us out of trouble for one thing. It gives us a purpose and we provide for ourselves and others. And that's that's a New Testament. That's, That's a Christian truth that much of the world knows nothing about. So here's one man who gets restored to his job. The other one is put to death. Now... I want to focus on one verse, verse 23 this morning. So I'm not going to do a verse by verse. I'm going to to talk about one verse and one topic today from this verse. The chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Um, You ever had a friend forget you? A friend? You know, there's, there's a new... Word that's been coined, you used to say, with friends like that, who needs what? You don't have to say all that anymore, you can just say one word, frenemies. That covers it all. I thought they were a friend, but they really weren't. I have a Bible college yearbook this morning from the ancient days when I graduated from college. And in this college yearbook, by the way, there's a guy in here who has lots of hair (laughs) and a Tom Selleck mustache. Well, maybe not, but at least it's black, okay? (laughs) So if you want to know if I really had hair, I'll prove it to you. But um, I look at this yearbook from my senior class in Bible college, and I look at all my friends in here. And I have friends all over the world from that class So, if you're in high school or younger or you're in college and you're wondering, when will I ever have good friends? Well, I hope it gets better for you. I hope you're making some good friends in life. And a lot of times that comes in college. I have friends who are in the pastorate. I have friends who are on the mission field. I have a a friend in the Bahamas who's a pastor. His name is Johnny Hanna. And we went through school together. I have friends uh, in the mission field, Paul and Penny Hessman. Do you know the Hessmans, John and Karen? I know Allison does. Tremendous people, doing a tremendous work. He was a Muslim, saved at a VPS, VBS, came to America, got his training in his back now, uh, doing a tremendous work, and maybe in transition right now. But I could, I could go on and on and on about people that are my friends in this yearbook. I have this belief about life. You see if you agree with it. You can't have too many friends. Now before I get finished, you'll find out that's a two-edged sword. Some people want friends for what they can get out of it. But when you're a friend, it requires something of you as well. I have people that I haven't seen in years who I could pick up the phone and call and say, I need something. And they'd be there. And you know what? I'd do the same. If, if I could help someone and I have a relationship with them, and by the way, uh, isn't it wonderful to have friends? Once you're their friend, you're always their friend. You know, you might go through rough times, you might go through rough patches, but you know deep down that they're still your friend. These are friends of mine like that. So I hope that you have a friend like that. I hope you have more than one friend. Joseph's friends didn't work out too well. Have you ever had friends like that? Well, of course you have. You say, I got one right now. I thought they were my friend, but I found out that they're not. So you can imagine a bunch of guys in prison sitting around talking and saying, You know, when I get out of prison, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go eat some of mom's apple pie. No, strawberry pie. I'm going to go eat some of mom's. Well, you know the first thing I'm going to do when I get out of prison? I'm going to church. You know, people sitting around with time on their hands make all kinds of promises. And no doubt these three guys, before they were out, they put their... Put it in here, you know, we're, we're not going to forget each other. We're going to remember each other. And Joseph says to these guys, when you get out of here to one, the other one didn't remember much for long, did he, for three days. But the, the guy who was restored to his job, he said, just remember me. Please remember me. Well, did he remember him? No. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Not much of a friend, is it? He forgot all about Joseph. So I want to share something from Scripture and from my heart with you this morning. Don't forget your friends. Now God may bring to mind some people that you haven't seen in a long time. Maybe it's time to reach out and rekindle that friendship. Maybe something came between you And as time has passed, you look back and you say, that was the dumbest thing I can ever imagine that separated me from a friend. And God may prompt you to say, you know what, it's time for you to be humble and to swallow your pride and go back and say, that was all my fault. Or, you know, what came between us really wasn't worth it. I I want to be your friend again. So, what is a true friend? Well, a friend's one that'll be with you what? To the end. A true friend is an eternal friend. You know, as believers, we have the advantage of having friends that we're going to spend eternity with. That's a true friend. We have a relationship with God and a mutual relationship. We're brothers and sisters. And so we have to constantly push down the little things that, that Satan wants to use to, to, to rise up and come between us. It happens in churches. It happens in families. It happens in relationships of best friends. And we have to push all that down and keep it in perspective and say, Okay, Lord, you teach me. Did you know the Bible has something to say about friendship? Turn to Proverbs with me for a moment. Proverbs 17. Probably should have put these on the screen for you, but <clears throat> if, if you don't have access, you can just listen. Did you know that there are almost a hundred references to friendship in Proverbs? That'd be a great study. Friendship and what it, what God has to say about it. But I'm in chapter 17, verse 17... And God says, a friend loves when he feels like it. Oh, I misread that. I was reading from culture, not the truth, the eternal truth. Uh, A friend loves when he gets something out of the relationship. Now that's, that's not right either, is it? A friend loves when it's to his or her advantage. Now, all that's wrong. That's what our world believes, or at least that's what most people live out in life. And it's getting worse because we're getting more selfish. Have you noticed that? I am selfish. You are selfish. Did you know that? Say that with me. I am selfish. We're all, and we're getting more and more self-centered. Amen. That'd be a good place for an amen. (laughs) If you agree. A friend loves when? At all times. A friend loves when you're agreeing and when you're disagreeing. A friend loves when you're up and when you're down. A friend loves when something comes between you, and a friend loves when you're on top. You know, a a true friend, a true person who is your true friend, listen to me, young people, loves you at all times. So what is the secret to friendship? Well, God tells us that. Go one more chapter to verse 24, uh, chapter 18, verse 24. Now, here's the key to friendship. A man who has friends must what? Himself be a friend. So we get the cart before the horse. Yeah, I'd love to have a friend who can do things for me. That's not the way it works. A friend, a man who has friends, must himself be a friend. You want true friends? You have to be a friend too. And you have to be a friend first of all. Because one thing that shows is not about you. It's not about what you're going to get out of the relationship. You're considering what the other person needs in that relationship. So there's the key. A man who has friends must himself be friendly or show himself a friend. So true friendship has no room for selfishness. Do you hear that? It's not about you. If you have a friend, it's about them. And if that reciprocates, that's wonderful. That's the best kind of relationship because you're looking out for each other, not for yourself. Isn't that so counter to what's going on in our culture today? Can you see God's intention and what He teaches and how you've got to think through these things when you, something happens to you, you've got to think, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is not what God says. This is not the way I want to live. This is the way the world lives. I don't want to, I reject that, I cancel that. I don't want to be that way. You know, I want to be the kind of person God wants me to be. By the way, there are some friends who aren't friends at all, so-called friends. Look at back one chapter at 1628 of Proverbs. A perverse man sows strife. It's a sinful man that sows things that divide other people, and especially God's work. What a dangerous place to be. A, uh, a perver- perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best of friends. What's a whisperer? A gossiper. Let me tell you what I heard about. Let me post what I heard about somebody and ruin somebody's reputation. That's a perverse person. Consider the source. If somebody's done that to you, look what God says. A whisper separates the best of friends. I refuse to let that happen. It's not going to happen to me. This person is my friend. So, A true friend is a gift from God. If you have a a true friend, they are so valuable, you cannot put a price on it. A true friend is a gift to you. And when God gives you a gift, you show what you think of the giver by the way you treat his gifts. Bill Bennett, (coughs) who served in a a cabinet years ago in Washington put together a book called The Book of Virtues. Are you familiar with the Book of Virtues? He was in education and he put this big thing we used to read to it from our kids or for our kids from it. And there's some great stories. Here's what he said about today's relationships. We live in a day when casual acquaintances come easily and intimacy comes much too quickly and too cheaply. Let me repeat that we live in it an, and this was several years ago this but there's not a better reflection of what's going on in our culture we live in a day when casual acquaintance comes easily and intimacy comes much too quickly and too cheaply but genuine relationships take time as a matter of fact they take a lifetime true friendships take a lifetime Joseph thought he had friends, but he found out he didn't because they forgot him. Now, I told you two Sundays ago about one of my friends who helped me reform the bully. Remember that narrative that I shared with you about the bully? Y'all don't remember that? You have to go back and watch it. Um, one of my best friends in life was Danny Wade. He happens to be Dolores' acre's cousin. We grew up together doing everything. His family had a huge apple orchard, Andrew. This would be close to your heart. About 25,000 bushels of peaches and apples they picked at some point. And Danny and I grew up picking apples together and picking peaches and working together. And we loved it. We loved to work and to work together. So here's a dad story for you, okay? I remember the first time we picked 100 bushels of apples in one day. Now this is when the trees were tall and we had to set up ladders and, and uh, we thought we had really done, so- now the Hispanic guys can do that more than that by themselves, okay? But the trees are shorter, right, Andrew? The tree You can reach them from the ground. So here's my dad's story. We got 30 cents a bushel. That was $15 a piece for a whole day's work from, from morning to evening. But we, it was okay, you know. I was probably 12, 13 years old. Here we are working and enjoying it. Well, we did everything together. We played sports together. We went to church together. We worked together. We hunted together. We did all these things. Growing, We even, we even liked the same girl one time. I thought she was going with me, and she was kissing him. Now, you ever had a friend like that? That's not. A, I wouldn't recommend that. That's hard on friendship. But then she dumped us both, so neither one of us married her. So, it's you know, it's okay. We're back to square one. We were saved the same night at a revival. I was 11, and he was 12. We had an evangelist that came to our church. He preached the gospel. Five of us the same age went forward that night and received Jesus as our Savior. Then we were baptized together. So we had this bond in life growing up as teenagers. And then one day when we were about 15 or 16, a group of adults made a very selfish decision. Our church split right down the middle. His family left, my family stayed. Now, I won't get into details because I love people on both sides, and that was years ago. But it was a trivial thing. It always is. It is hardly ever doctrine or anything. You know, you think of the things that people part ways about in life. And you look back on it and you think, that was the dumbest thing. Why in the world? So for a while, he and I were separated. But then we did something more mature than the adults. We decided, you know what? We've been friends forever. We're going to continue to be friends. And we were. Years later, I went off to college, (coughs) got married, got a phone call one night. Danny's daughter had been killed in an automobile accident. Six, 15, 16 years old, Valerie was. Doing nothing wrong, weren't out partying or anything. Young driver ran off the road, overcorrected, hit a car head on. Valerie went into eternity. I couldn't get there quick enough. I watched Danny and Sonia bury their daughter. He was heartbroken. I was heartbroken. We, we had been separated for years, but when that happened, it was like that friendship, there was no distance there. Well, about 25 years ago, I was pastoring down in North Carolina, <clears throat> and I got another call. Danny had been killed in an accident, a logging accident. He, was a, he and his family were loggers. He was killed over in the Indian Valley, not too far from here. And I got that call and I told Allison I got to go. Went to be with the family. Devastated. Circumstances were just so tragic. But my friend of so many years was with the Lord. So they asked me to speak at the funeral. One of the hardest things I've ever done, but I'm glad I did it. And here's what I said. Danny was my friend. I remember the night that we went forward in an invitation, and trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior. Weeks before that, we had talked about that. And he was still walking with the Lord. We talked about that relation. And then all of a sudden, he's gone into eternity. And I could stand and say to that family, I know where he is. You know where he is because of his relationship with Jesus. And one day I will see him again. He was a true friend. Now, what kind of friend are you? We look at Joseph. We said his friend shouldn't have done him that way. Well, what kind of friend are you? That's the real question. That's the question that God is asking us as we look at these passages. What kind of friend am I? Well, there are all kinds of friends in life. <clears throat> um, friends. There are short-term friends. You know, you thought they were a friend, but all of a sudden you realize, well, they had a different motive than you have. I know, I know what you're going through growing up these days. It's difficult. Then there are one-way friends. I'm your friend as long as I get from you what I want. You know what you call that? a manipulator, a controller. You don't want that kind of friend. Don't be desperate. Don't ruin your life over somebody like that who says, I'm your friend, but if you think a little deeper, you realize, you know what, this thing's just one way. As long as I do what they say, and as long as I give them what they want, they're my friend, but the moment I back up, you better back up and let them go. That's good advice, young ladies, young men. Let them go. Be smart. Then they're on and off friends. Well, yesterday they were my friend, but today they're not. Am I describing middle school to some of you teachers? (laughs) (laughs) Or probably elementary already? I'm not your friend today. It's going to happen. It's already happening, isn't it? <clears throat> and then there are moody friends. Can I give you some good advice? Don't marry one of those. <clears throat> That's all I'll say. Advice taken, right? All kinds of friends. But what kind of friend am I? Well, let me tell you about a true Christian friend, and here's what I want you to write down. What is a real friend like? Number one, they give more than they take. To those of you who have lived a while, what do you say to that? That's right. If you've got a real friend, they always give more than they take. That's because they're focused on you at least as much as they're focused on themselves. And if they're a true friend, they're focused on you more than they're focused on themselves. And by the way, that carries over into marriage, doesn't it? You get what you give. And you don't just give to get. You give because that's the kind of person that you are, and that's what God wants you to do. And from your very depth, you're giving to others rather than being a taker. That's a good question. Are you a giver or a taker? Well, a true friend, a true Christian friend, gives more than they take. Number two, true friends are faithful no matter what. No matter what, that's, that's a true friend. They're faithful no matter what. Petty issues, drama kings and queens come and go in life, right? But a true friend is faithful no matter. Do you have a friend like that? They are more valuable than gold. Promise you. Don't take it for granted. Thank God... For a gift like that, a true friend who is faithful to the, with you, no matter what you've done, dumb things you've been through, things they told you how dumb it was. That's a good friend too. You may not feel like it at the time, but that's a real friend who says, "Wait a minute, what are you doing? This is not you." <coughs> Here's a good one. A true friend brings you up, lifts you up, not brings you down. Now you survey your friends right now and you think about that. one. When I'm with them, do they lift me up or do they pull me down? Young people, you show me your friends and I'll show you what you're going to become. Because you're going to become just like them. So choose wisely. Choose wisely. By the way, a a true friend will will not drag you down. Are you a friend like that? You, You lift people up or you drag them down? And then, well, here's what's really important. A true friend will strengthen your walk with God, not the opposite. Don't you want a friend like that? A friend who draws you closer to God, not tries to pull you away all the time. Well, that works both ways. Are you that kind of friend? You're you're bringing people closer to God because of your friendship rather than dragging them. You see, all of these work both ways. Everybody wants a friend like this, but before you can have a friend like that, you have to give more than you take. You have to be faithful no matter what. You bring people up, not down, and you strengthen their walk with God. Have I given you something to think about? Well, I hope so, because we need to think about it. And God has brought us here today to think about it. Now, back to Joseph. He didn't have a friend in the world. He really didn't. Except he had the best friend of all. He had God on his side. He belonged to God. It made him make the right choices in life because he knew, ultimately, I'm not accountable to other people now I'm accountable to my parents. I'm ac- accountable to people in authority. But ultimately, who am I accountable to? I'm accountable to God. And my actions are always in front of Him. That's why it's always right to do right. Because God is watching you and He is keeping records. But more than that, He wants what's best for your life. He doesn't just put these rules on you to ruin your life. He knows what's best for you and He's protecting you and He's trying to help you if you'd only listen. Because He's good. And he wants you to pass this test with an A+. So learn to listen to him. And by the way, in the meantime, God give you, has given you parents. So when you learn to listen to them, you can learn to listen to God. That's one reason you have parents. When you learn to listen to them, maybe someday you'll learn to listen to God. You don't listen to them, you're probably not going to listen to God either. Now, if you have been broken hearted or disappointed with the actions of a so-called friend, sometimes on purpose, Purpose. this teaches you who you can trust in life and who you can't. Okay? That's the way it is. Not everybody who claims to be your friend has your best interest at heart. Are you getting the picture? That's Joseph. Yeah, I'm your friend. I'll remember you. They didn't remember him. Left him high and dry. So learn to test them. Test your friends. They won't just want something from you. Let them go. You don't need a friend like that. Let them go. And ask God to give you a true friend. You're not desperate. I know you feel like it sometimes, but you're not. Let me tell you something. There is a friend who will never let you down. We sang about him. His name is Jesus. He will never... Your parents may let you down. I could let you down. I would never intend to do that. There are people... It's a sinful world, folks. It's not a perfect world. There's a a sin curse on our world and people are imperfect and they do sinful things. That's the way it is. Don't blame that on God. That's not the way he created this world. He created it in perfection and holiness. It was Satan and man who brought this difficulty into our life that we call a a sinful culture and a sinful world. So don't blame it on God. God's good. That's good theology. Because it's biblical. But back to a true friend. Proverbs 18, verse 24. I lost my place, so I'm going to turn there with you. Proverbs eighteen, twenty-four. The rest of the story. A man who has friends must show himself friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's God Himself. He will never leave you. That's who God is. Now, He's holy. He's perfect. So don't bring Him too far down to human level because we God's not just your friend, you know, that approves of everything that you do and loves you anyway. He has standard he has his word and he tells us about his word and when we seriously get to know him we realize we will we could never be like him on our own never ever but he wants us to be like him and he gives us a relationship through our savior jesus when we come into a relationship with him he takes our sin he uh, placed it under His blood on the cross. He will never bring it against us again. It's forgiven. And now God can make us what He wants us to be. And He will stick with us forever and ever and ever. Do you have that friend? Well, until you do, you won't know how to be a true friend. Because until you don't have anybody else to turn to but God, Anybody else to turn to but Jesus. And you realize, He is faithful no matter what. Because He loves me no matter what. And He loves me to the end. In fact, there's going to be no end. We're going to be with Him for eternity. So I want you to bow this morning. I want you to ask yourself this. Do I know Jesus as my Savior? Do I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? You know, that's where you should begin the school year. You know, there are going to be times when I'm going to be lonely. But if I have God within me and I have Jesus with me, I, I'm never alone. It may feel like I'm alone. God, Joseph wasn't alone in that prison. He may have felt like it. We think he was, but he wasn't. God was with him. He's with you. If you know him, I promise you he's with you. And when you're lonely, you can look and say, I I don't feel it, but I know God is there. And when you're tempted, like we looked at last week, you also need to say, you know what? I'm tempted, but God is there. I'm accountable to him. That's what Joseph said, right? I'm not going to sin against God. So this morning, do you have this friend who sticks closer than a brother? If not, right where you are, you can bow your head and say, Today, I want to invite Jesus into my heart, into my life. I want to receive Him as Savior. If you're online today or watching us years down the road, you can bow your head and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. You are holy. Jesus, I'm the Bible says, died for my sins. I want to receive His forgiveness as my personal Savior. And God will save you. Now, if you've got that settled this morning, if you don't, talk to someone before you leave here today. Talk to your parents today. Talk to somebody you respect. If you got that settled, back to the original question, what kind of friend are you? What's God asking you to do today in relation to another person? Maybe He's asking you to cut a so-called friendship. Are you willing to do that if God tells you? Maybe there's a broken friendship somewhere and you need to go back and restore that friendship. And God's showing you that you need to do that when you leave here today. Well, I'm going to pray for you. I've... Thank you for your attention this morning, heads about. I'm just going to pray for you. I've thrown a lot at you today. We have a lot to think about, but don't forget when you leave here. Father, today you have opened, I pray that you've opened our hearts to a lot of things that we need to think about. There are times in life when we're lonely. Sometimes we're in a crowd and we're lonely. I can remember being like that in school. But I was never alone. And sometimes we place our trust in other people and they let us down. Well, now we know why. Because they're a sinner. So Father, help us to put this in perspective and to realize that you are not sinful because you are holy and you will never let us down. Never, ever because of our relationship with you, and because of your promise to us, what a wonderful truth that takes us through life, that will take us into eternity. And if we never have a true friend, we have you, and you are the truest friend. because You are God. You're there. And you're good. But Father, as we walk through this life, we want to have friends, and that means we need to be friends. So help us to think about what we've heard today and not just to think about it, but to act on it. And I pray that this would be the best school year that our students have ever had. I pray this would be a great school year for our teachers. I know there are so many challenges, but Lord, when we put it in perspective, you're there. No one can take God out of school because you're there. You're everywhere and you're with your people. And when we go, you go with us. I pray we'd make the right decisions this year. That we'd be wise. And that begins with a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.